This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. If you're going to be successful at fly fishing, you have to develop the right mindset. It's just like any other pursuit. Baseball pitchers have a particular mindset. Several years ago when the St. Louis Cardinals started their uh, run of uh, getting to the playoffs, winning a couple of World Series, uh, one of the pitchers, I think it was Daryl Kyle, decided to uh, start getting the other guys to watch uh, bullpen sessions. So when the starting pitcher went out to warm up, the whole pitching staff would go together and they would, uh, they would watch that bullpen session and then they would talk about it. Uh, these guys would watch film on hitters. They would experiment with grips and release points as they, you know, how do you hold the baseball to, to throw a curve or a slider or, or what's the best way for the changeup? And, and they just had this mindset where, where they're constantly uh, uh, learning and gaining information and working through difficulties. And you really have to do the same thing as a fly fisher. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Absolutely. And what's amazing about your story about the St. Louis Cardinals is that these are major league pitchers. These, yeah, This right. is not the Pony League, right? Exactly, At your yeah. park district. Right. And so here they are at the highest level, continuing to learn and to all the nuance and just trying mm-hmm. to get better. So yep. that's a great story about the mindset, you know, that a fisher, fly fisher must have. And that's what we're talking about today, the necessary mindset of a fly fisher. What we're going to do is to identify five traits that get into that mindset so you can learn and become successful. So here are the five traits. Dave, what's number one? Well, the first is that you need to be a problem solver. You need to be a problem solver. And I don't know how to explain this other than talking about my brother, Matt, who uh, is the brain of the family and is also seven years younger than I am. He's a a pharmacogenomist. He oversees breast cancer research at a major uh, institution in the country. World class, for sure. In fact, it's like number one in the world in breast cancer. And one of the things, when you start to talk with him about his research, he's always interested in what the data says. And so not so much that his clinical trial is right, but that Mm -hmm. what it teaches you about what to do next. Hmm. And so he is in this continual problem-solving mindset mm-hmm. and trying to figure out why this mm. enzyme does this and how we yeah. can find out what it does then and if we change the data set, if we add this. And so it's all about problem-solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I learned a ton just from yeah. listening to him describe the mm. problems of trying to yeah. do world-class research. So what does that look like for a fly fisher then? Every time you go out to fly fish, what you expected it was going to be like <laughs> is I going you're to change. Say. That's right? right. It's never so what, what you expect. So what you think it yeah. was going to be, um, it's not. So a couple years ago, Steve and I decided one afternoon, take an afternoon, which is a precious slot of time when we go out to Bozeman, Montana, right. and fish for four mm-hmm. or five days. So when you give up an afternoon, yeah. you're giving up a chunk of the time that you're yep. out there, and it's mm-hmm. very expensive to go out there. So we decided to go, and I was pushing for this, to go to... Taylor Fork, which uh, flows into the Gallatin. Yep. It's uh, south of Big Sky, between Big Sky and West Yellowstone. Right. It also has the highest per capita yeah. of grizzly bears. Yeah, that's right. But about 
two or three years prior to that, my brother Matt and I fly fished the Taylor Fork around the middle of August, and we had a terrific, terrific day on hoppers. And while everybody at his breast cancer research conference was fly fishing the Gallatin, Matt and I <laughs> fly fished the Taylor Fork and had a terrific afternoon. So wow. two years later, Steve and I are in Montana. I'm thinking, you know, why don't we try Taylor Fork? Yeah. So we get there, and it was a year in which that stream was about half the size mm -hmm. of what it was two years earlier. So there you are, you're faced with a decision. And, and so we had to change our plan. So one of the things I was going to do was nymph this stretch uh, of, the, of Taylor Fork that ran across a, kind of uh, behind a cliff. And, oh yeah, I remember and it had that. A really, Gorgeous water. Oh my yeah. goodness, but that year, there were hardly any runs that were deep enough to yeah. hold trout. Yeah. It was so frustrating. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in that moment, you have to make decisions. Okay, I'm going to have to adjust. So we decided to fly fish, uh, actually to dry fly fish, yeah. that stream for the rest of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Right. And it kind of involved a shift in expectations. Total too, shift it? in expectations. Yeah. You know, I, th th this is a good, helpful thing to identify because I... You know, I, I look at fly fishing and say, hey, I want to go out and catch fish. I want this to be fun. I don't want to be a problem solver. But I, I think I realized the need for that. When I watched Gary Borger a few years ago, I was at a fly fishing uh, uh, weekend that, that he did. Uh, actually, we, we kind of did this together up in the mountains of Montana. And and uh, he provided the, the expertise. I, I had another role. But I just watched him and realized, oh, man. So much of what he's doing is so much of what he's doing is problem solving. Yep. He's out there, uh, you know, turning over rocks along the side of the, you know, the stream bank to see what what's what insects are are active and and what's going to be hatching. And you know, he's changing weight. He's you know, a number of split shot that he's using to, to get the fly down lower or or if he's getting snagged to bring it up. And I, I realized, I mean, he, he's a scientist. Yeah, he's a real scientist. <clears throat> and maybe I, that's because I'm more of a, you know, I'm a social scientist. I, you know, I, I deal in history and theology and journalism, and that's my side where I don't want to be a scientist. I just want to catch trout. But I realize, <laughs> you know, I, I do. I, I have to think like a scientist. I have to go into problem-solving mode. If if this is happening, then what should I do next? Because yeah. it never is what you think it's going to yep. be. That's right. And, and you get better at it. The more you fly fish, the more, uh, the more solutions you have in your bag Absolutely. that you can, you can pull out and, and use. It's like you accumulate the solutions over time. Yeah, that's right. And they when don't you all first learn, once. you don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. You yeah, just yeah. know you're not catching fish. Right. And you may not even know what the problem is. That's part of it, too. It's taken me a long time to figure out, okay, now I know what the problem is. Then you're halfway to solving it. There's a second uh, trait that's uh, part of the necessary mindset of a fly fisher, and it's related to problem solving. But the second mindset is you need to be able to deal with frustration. Boy, that's not... That's <sighs> That's gospel right there. I know, and I don't like frustration, but you get a lot of it with fly fishing. One of my biggest frustrations is wind. And one of the, one of the best places that, that we fly fish uh, through the years is the uh, Bear Trap Canyon, the Lower Madison. And oh, some days it just drives me nuts. You get out there, it's, the conditions are just right, 
and and the wind is just whipping, and it just drives me crazy. And it's not just consistent wind, right? So there's this <laughs> right. big bend in the river, and so the wind comes around in the canyon, and so you'll go from almost you know maybe only five miles an hour to thirty miles an hour. I mean, it's not probably thirty miles an hour, but it Seems feels like, like it. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so one moment you make a great cast, you have a great drift. The next time, it's mm-hmm. impossible. The next absolute cast is impossible to actually mend. It's frustrating. And I guess at that point, you, you have to decide, okay, I'm going to get so frustrated that I'm just going to quit, or or do I shift into a problem-solving mode? What would you do in that moment? You know, some things I've done, sometimes you just wait it out. I, I've had times, though, where I've realized, you know what, if I wait for this gust, then I can get a drift in and, and I'll catch a fish, and then you yeah. have to wait some more. But that's preferable to just saying, forget this. I'm just going to go walk to the car and go to dinner. Yeah, you can just give up. I mean, yeah. there is mm-hmm. that, right? Yep. Um, you know, knots and tangles are another one. And, and of course, they, <laughs> there's a corollary there with wind. It seems well, like no whenever kidding. you're dealing with wind, you get knots and tangles. And if you're nymphing and you have two flies on and a split shot, you're going to get tangled up. And... I think part of that is just saying, you know what, I have to be patient to uh, to see my way through this. I remember my two oldest daughters when they learned to ride bikes. Actually, we got a uh, we got a bike for my daughter Erin's birthday. She was probably in what was she like in kindergarten, and we got her this bike. and 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 I remember her. She's an oldest child. She's like me, so she's not as patient as uh, she <laughs> perhaps could. And, and I remember her out there, and, and she'd ride, you know, four feet and f- fall off, and she'd kick her bike, and this stupid bike, and she'd come in the house. Well, her sister Anna, who's two years younger, actually learned to ride that bike before Aaron did, just because she was persistent. <laughs> and maddening. she would ride three feet, she'd fall off, she'd smile, get up, ride two feet, fall off, smile, get up. But, but enough persistence. And I, I think that's, you know, we talk about dealing with frustration what we're talking about is is persistence. Maybe that's the better way to describe the the, the necessary mindset of a fly fisher. First, you got to be a problem solver. Second, you've got to be persistent. Yeah, maybe it's not frustration. It is frustration, but it's persisting through the frustration. Yes, exactly. And this is certainly true when you're fishing um, small creeks and you've got brush. Oh, and don't get me started. <laughs> you know, we were at Canfield Creek uh, in the Minnesota Driftless not long ago, and <laughs> I don't know if you remember, there was that really beautiful run right at the end of Canfield Creek. At least we couldn't hike up further. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you saw me cast. There was this gorge. I mean, there's not a lot of great oh, yeah. runs on that. Right. I mean, there are some, but there's they're not limit, you know, without mm-hmm. limits. There's just yep. a few great runs. There's this perfect run. And my back cast immediately got snagged in the overhang of a tree. I, you know, I fly fish for all these years, but in that moment... I, I was trying to remember thinking about when I've been so mad. Like, yeah. what? What? Oh. And by the time you get it, you've kind of ruined the run because of what you have to do to go get that, yep. you know, to get the cast. So That's very to get true. your line out. So, yep. and I snapped off my, you know, oh. snapped off my fly. And so it was another 15 minutes before I was fully rigged up again. I was nymphing. So I had a couple of flies on there and some weight. And I lost the entire thing. And I was like, oh, oh it man. is. And how about being snagged on the bottom, which should happen. I mean, if you're doing it right, if you're nymphing right, you're going to get some snags on the bottom. But that's the point. You you just have to persist through some of these frustrations. 
So you need to be a problem solver, that's first. Second, you need to deal with frustration. What else? Well, the third is that you really need to be what some call a kinesthetic learner. And what in the world is that? <laughs> it's, I, I don't know for sure. I know that it's how I learn, which is I learn by doing and I learn by failing. There are some folks yeah. who can watch a video and then do it. I mean, that is, yep. it's just, it's how they learn. Yeah. In fact, in one of our recent podcasts, maybe in our last podcast, we talked about uh, someone who was able to watch a video and actually learn how to tie a fly. Right. I don't think most people can do that. Yeah. It can get you started, but it's that mentoring and hands-on, the yeah. failing and somebody coming alongside. Yep. So a kinesthetic learner, basically fly fishing is like, uh, learning how to play the guitar. I've said that several times hmm. uh, in the last year, but I, I, I'm reminded of it every time I see my son, Christian, who he broke his leg uh, a week into football uh, season last year in college, and so he didn't play for the rest of the season and was on crutches for, in fact, he was immobile for six or eight weeks, and then Man. he really couldn't move around, so he picked up the guitar, and from the beginning of last year, let's say September 1 to right now, I'm amazed at how well he is playing, but he has persisted through huh. and he, he has learned because he is watching other people play and he's yeah. practicing, right? So yeah. it's doing it. That's how you learn. Okay, so that's what kinesthetic means. Yeah. It's physical activity. Physical it's activity. doing versus yep. just reading something exactly. in a book or, exactly. or, or watching a lecture. Yeah, that really is important. And I know even with uh, things like, we've talked before about mending your line, but... It's been a lot easier to do when I've been out there and, and I try it and somebody's there to say, uh, hey, uh, do this, you know, move the rod tip this way or put your hands here. Your or, tip is too high or right, too low. Yeah, or, or, you know, mend it quicker. And yeah, so the, the doing of it, that, that, that's, a, that's a great point, Dave. Here's a fourth. You need to be humble enough to ask the obvious questions, what you might think are the stupid questions, but you have to do that. And you know, we, we've said before, don't, don't be too prideful. Take advantage of the opportunity to fish with better fly fishers, uh, whether they're friends or they're guides, and, and ask them, you know, ask them questions. I, I'm convinced that in a whole lot of fields, there are people who don't get better because they're too proud to Absolutely. ask. And they think, well, if I ask this question, you know, then people are going to think I'm stupid. Actually, you ask the question, and the other people are going to be very grateful because they have the same question you do. Well, think about those major league pitchers, back to your original uh, opening example. I mean, if you're too arrogant to watch film and too arrogant to learn yeah. from other people, you pretty much flatten out in terms of your trajectory. You really do. And, and that's it. P part of this is, th this is life. You know, it's 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 as true of, of anything in life as it is of fly fishing, but but become a lifelong learner. That that's it's lifelong learners who are humble enough to uh, ask those obvious questions. I mean, do you think of any examples of that, Dave? Well, several months ago, I had a friend pop over uh, on a Sunday evening, and uh, he had purchased some new wading boots, and he's very 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 new in fly fishing, and he looked at me and goes, now how do my wading socks and my waders fit with these boots? And I said, well, you put your waders on and, and you put your feet into the wading socks and then you <laughs> yeah. slip them into your boot. Yeah. So I was so proud of him for asking yeah. what he probably thought was a stupid question. 
And, you know, especially when you're learning how to fly fish, um, mm -hmm. it's, there's so much to know and it's not patently obvious oh, and you're not, not stupid if in fact it's not obvious to right. you. Yeah. It's just not obvious. So um, I think this whole, this point especially is, is to, you know, this idea of being humble enough to ask the stupid questions and the stupid obvious questions is a basic and necessary mindset of the successful fly fisher. It really is. Good fly fishers do that. And I, I, I think of times when we've been out with guides and, you know, I'll, I'll just ask them, you know, basic things. Because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing it right. And I think it's through that continual asking. It goes back to what we've talked about earlier, that then you will have a, a bag full of solutions that, that you can apply when you've... Uh, you got a problem that has to be solved. All right, one more, Dave. So our final point here uh, uh, that, that really describes the necessary mindset of the fly fisher is be a listener. Yeah. And Steve and I have found so many new streams by stealing ideas. That's right. <laughs> from other people who are in the fly shop yeah. talking about where they just went or where they plan to go. Wasn't Fan Creek one of those? Oh, yeah. Somebody uh -huh. was talking about it Fan was. Creek, and we thought, mm -hmm. you know, have you ever fished Fan Creek? No, I don't even know where Fan that. Creek is. Yeah. You know, So we looked it up on the map, and, mm -hmm. and we found a new river to fish, a new creek to fish. Yeah. And, and so this idea of being a listener, um, I think some people, I don't know if it's a male trait uh, in particular, but it's just the stubborn refusal to listen. Yeah. They want to mm -hmm. tell you the story and want to tell you their uh, view on life. And I think one of the great traits of, of a great fly fisher is this ability to listen. And maybe it's two things, ask good questions and, mm -hmm. and listen. Yeah. And that's it. If you don't want to ask, or maybe sometimes it just would be awkward to butt into a conversation. But yeah, you go into a fly shop and Guys are talking about something, and and uh, you you just listen and take notes. In fact, I've uh, you know over the years now it's on my uh, my smartphone, and I'll uh, open up uh, you know Evernote or Note Everything, and 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 I'll put notes right in my cell phone so I remember what flies to use, what stretches of river, what mile marker is a great place to stop at, and. Uh, it really is amazing how much you can learn, even if you don't ask the question. You just keep your ears open, and uh, yeah, we we've done that. We've we've learned places to fish. We've learned fly patterns. I'd say even techniques. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because frankly, there there are some there are some guys who are really good, and they know it, and they want to tell the world about it. And I figure, well, well, great, yeah. great for us. Good for us. Yeah, yeah tell yeah, the we'll, world, and I'll listen to it. Yeah, we will listen and learn. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. We appreciate your comments, your questions, your stories. Dave and I learn, we laugh, we cry. Do we cry? Well. I'm trying to think of the last time we cried. You cry. You're kind of a baby. <laughs> I no. cry when you're having a good day. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> that's why you cry a lot. No, I, yeah, I, I can cry with the best of them, too. But seriously, we do. We appreciate the stuff you send in. And uh, one of the guys who uh, comments frequently is Michael Wiley. He is a faithful listener. He's a fine fly fisher in New Mexico. And he commented about our podcast on unlikely places to catch trout. Uh, Michael wrote, Culvert pipes are superb holding spots for trout. The nutrients and security for the trout are excellent. I never pass up the opportunity to fish them. 
culvert pipes. Yeah, that's good advice. You know, it's just like a mini waterfall. The, the water yeah, comes rushing out of that sense. pipe, and and uh, it, it just creates that commotion right below it. And uh, wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Good thing to remember. Really is. Well, that'll do it for today. Do you think of anything else that belongs to the necessary mindset of a fly fisher? Please share your thoughts with us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What other traits belong to the necessary mindset of a fly fisher? We'll do a follow-up podcast on this if you give us some great suggestions. I'd love to do that, so please uh, give us some thoughts. You know, one other thing you might um, post on our site is the stupid question that you've always wanted to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, or send it to us at, just go Steve Dave, it's one word, Steve Dave at twoguysinariver.com. The the stupid question you've wanted an answer to but have been afraid to ask, yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. we'll do an entire podcast on that. We'll see what we get. Yeah, that'd be great. So you can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. Give us a review. We'd love, uh, you know, as many stars as you can muster. That's right. Um, but you can also download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcast. That's how I listen to most of the podcasts that I subscribe to. I use uh, podcasts. I've downloaded that app and then just add the podcast to that and listen to them when I see there's a new one. So thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>